thank you guys so much. You guys are incredible. Will you give my friends a hand up here? And for all of you who are joining us in the overflow or online, we love you. Thank you so much. Guys, I am here to announce some really, really good news today as it relates to our overflow. And uh, I, my kids asked if they could help me with this. So Israel and Kingston, come on up here. You've been asking me for weeks. Come on up here, right up here on stage. Uh, <laughs> okay, so for those of you guys who are joining us today for the very first time, Welcome. My name is Jay Duncan, along with my family. We've been here in the city for 19 years. We've been here in this exact same church for 19 years. And a couple of weeks ago, actually, it was, it was about five weeks ago, if I'm not mistaken, uh, I sent out a little video on a Thursday afternoon, and I said, okay, New Life Midtown, you guys want to make sure that you're here this Sunday. You don't want to miss this. And then I had to stand up here three days later and make this big apology and say, Guys, I, I shot the gun, and uh, I wasn't, I wasn't, we're, we're not ready to give that announcement. Well, we are ready to give that announcement today. So you have been so patient, and you have been so gracious, and you have been so kind. And what did you guys want to do with everyone? What did you want to say? Drum roll, please. Okay, so he wanted to do a drum roll. So everyone, that, that's how you do a drum roll, and... Guys, we are getting a brand new building. <laughs> you can be seated now. Great job. Like, they literally asked me for weeks, Dad, can we ask everyone to give a drum roll? And I was like, yeah, maybe not, son. Maybe not. And Yeah, we did the drum roll. Great job. Let me tell you a little story here. About five weeks ago, it was actually Wednesday, February the 5th. There's a young lady that walked into First Wednesday Worship at New Life North. By the way, if you haven't been to any of our First Wednesday Worship gatherings at, at the North Campus, they're phenomenal. An hour, an hour and a half full of worship and prayer, and we just activate the saints and fill the entire city with, with worship, and we encourage you guys to come. So on First Wednesday Worship of February, there's a young gal that walked in, and uh, she saw a familiar face, a lady by the name of Lisa Grothy. She's the wife of Daniel Grothy, who pastors New Life Friday Night. And they had been teachers before over a decade ago. Lisa graciously reached out and asked this lady how she was doing, and she said, actually, I'm not doing great because our church is voting here in a few days this Sunday on whether or not they're going to keep their doors open. Over the course of many conversations and circumstantially, our pastor, Pastor Brady, reached out to their pastor just to inquire, just to pastor him, just to demonstrate some empathy and concern. How are you guys doing? I got word that you guys might be closing your doors. Is there anything that we can do to help? Is there anything that we can do to help just strengthen and fortify where you guys are at? And over the past 40 days, church, uh, we have been in numerous, numerous conversations. And what those conversations have brought us to, in Acts chapter 15, the scripture says that it seemed good to the counsel of the apostles and to the Holy Spirit. And I, I truly believe that over the course of many conversations, I can say that it seems good to the Holy Spirit, and it seems good to us. And by us, I mean the leadership of New Life Midtown, the leadership, the elders of New Life at large, and the board of Austin Bluffs Community Church, that the Lord is actually calling us to not just come and take over a building. He's actually calling us to join our families together. 
And this is so incredible because if there's anyone who could empathize and identify and understand the journey of at one point being about 800 people, Springs Harvest Fellowship when we moved here in 2004 was about 800 to 900 people. And when we received the church in 2010, we, we shrank all the way down to about 50. And Awesome Bluffs Church had a faithful senior pastor who pastored that church about 30, maybe even upwards of 35 years. This church has been a faithful pillar in our community. And as a result of their senior pastor retiring, as a result of COVID, as a result of some other really unfortunate circumstances that have happened to that spiritual community, that church is kind of distilled all the way down to the core. We know what the core is about, don't we, church? There's some core people that are here in this church that have fought with us and served in five, six, and seven departments and helped hold this thing together. And that's who is right across the street, 1.3 miles up the road, there's a church that is comprised of a core of people that are holding that church together. And when they have found out that there is a young, vibrant, bursting at the seams church that just needs a building, they said, I think this could be a win-win. What if we just join our churches together? Pastor Jade, you, you'll be our senior pastor. We'll, we'll just kind of fold into the family, and your permanent home will be Awesome Bluffs Community Church. So I want to show you what the building looks like. Let's take a look right here for those of you who haven't seen it. I feel like we need some like like background, like some like <laughs> dubstep or something. I mean, <laughs> that's the sanctuary. We think that we can probably fit about four hundred, maybe four hundred and fifty chairs in that sanctuary. Beautiful guys, immaculate, well kept. I mean, this church, these people have just so faithfully taking care of this space. There's probably about eight or nine children's classrooms across the building. There's its own youth facility. And that right there, that right there was the word of God. I, I don't know if y'all understand. Some of y'all are new. You're like, that just looks like, no, no, no. That right there was called a sign and a wonder. That's called a basketball court, which Pastor Jade has prayed for at his own building. I prayed for two things. Actually, I prayed for many things. But I said, Lord, will you give me a basketball court and will you give me a shower in our church? And we have both of those. Will you guys lift up your hands and thank the Lord again? It's an exciting season. We're so grateful. We're so grateful. What I'd like for us to do is I'd like for, for us to pray for the family of believers that are just 1.3 miles up the road. And after I pray, I'm going to give you some just real logistical, practical steps on what our next few weeks look like. So, Father, we just ask today that you would come. Lord, as I've spoken with so many of the leaders, the elders, the board members of Awesome Bluffs Church, I've heard men share with me that they feel like this is something that you actually set in motion years ago. They feel that witness. There was one man who said, Pastor Jade, I felt like the Lord actually began preparing this moment 25 years ago. There was another man, another board member who said, I felt like the Lord, even six and seven months ago when we were trying to refinance our loan, the Lord, there was just things that the Lord was doing to set things up for this moment in time. And Lord, we just, we just hold open our hands with great humility and with great gratitude and with great pastoral sensitivity and with great care. And Father, we thank you 
we recognize, oh God, that you are at work and that all of these things are because you want to do something for your kingdom in the center of this city. And so, Father, we step into the faithful presence of God. We step into the work of God. We step into the story that you have been writing at Austin Bluffs Community Church for the past 40 years. And, Father, we bring our story that you've been writing in our church for the past 38 years. And, Father, we say, will you continue to write a new and a beautiful story? Lord, that children would be brought into the kingdom, that single parents would be brought into the kingdom, that marriages would be restored, that those, God, that need deliverance would experience freedom and healing, that baptisms and salvations would be a result of this kingdom work that you were doing. So would you seal it in the spirit? Father, would you give us grace for all of the things that we're going to be stepping into, that we've already stepped into, but all the things that we're going to be doing in the weeks to come. We pray it today in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Okay, so I want you to fasten your seatbelt, because guys, next Sunday is our last Sunday in this church. So in two weeks, we'll be having our first service. That's March the 26th. It will still be at 10 a.m., and I, I want to encourage you. I'm going to, I'm going to encourage them today. Pastor Christie and Pastor Jonathan and I are going to have an info meeting over there today. And we're going to encourage them to come early to, to church services, which means if you show up at 10, you may still be late, you guys. All right. Now, here's some really fun news. Uh, today, after service, we're going to end a little bit early. And today, after service, they're actually hosting an open house for us. So from 12 to 1, we'll have snacks and we'll have refreshments. It's an opportunity for all of you to come and to preview the building. It's 36,000 square feet. To put that in perspective, it's four times the size of this building and Kemper. It's incredible. And guys, this this is just truly, truly miraculous. So thank you for your faithfulness. Thank you for your steadfastness. Thank you for celebrating with us in this moment. And guys, this is not a time for us to shrink back. This is not a time for us to kind of take our foot off of the gas. This is a time for us to lean in. This is a time for us to lean in. There is, a, I think, an opportune time in the spirit, not just for New Life Midtown and not just in Colorado Springs, but we feel it in the earth. Zechariah 10.1 says, pray for rain and ask for rain in the time of rain. We're in the time of rain. And even though it's like the size of a man's fist, there's a cloud the size of a man's fist, we stay in that posture and we push until we see the abundance of rain come to the earth. Amen? Amen. All right, moms and dads, grab your kids close to you. We're going to bless them. And one of the ways that we do this is we pray the prayer of the Lord together. So pull your kids in close. Pull your grandkids in close. Lay your hands on them. Kiss them on the forehead. Hug them. Squeeze them real tight. All right, let's pray the Lord's Prayer together, church. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. And give us this day our daily bread. Forgive us our sins as we forgive those who have sinned against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For yours is the kingdom and the power, and the glory forever. Amen. Kids, we love you guys, moms and dads, and all of our guests. Go ahead and stand with me if you would. Let's take three minutes, and let's be friendly.
All right, let's go ahead and find our seats. You amazing social people, you. I love it. I love it. Good morning, good morning. So glad to have you in the house. For those of you who are first-time guests, welcome to a really exciting morning. What an exciting day to be visiting us for the first time. Um, If you are visiting us for the first time, we would love to just have you look in the seat pocket in front of you, and there should be a little QR code that you can just kind of snap and enter in your information so that we can get information back to you. If you aren't into the QR code thing, totally get it. It's a frustrating system for me. (laughs) I'm in that generation that's like, right in between there, who has a love-hate relationship with technology. So if you join me in that, then please feel free to stop by our Welcome Center and, uh, and meet someone after service to help get your information. We're so glad you're with us. We're not going to do announcements today, but guys, there's a lot going on, so please make sure you go online and check out what we have. We have um, something with Cuz I Love You coming up, uh, uh, outreach here in the spring, here in the city. We have global engagement trips that we're taking applications for right now. So make sure you get that information after service. Um, I'll introduce myself to you. I am Pastor Christy Duncan. I, <laughs> I'm one of the pastors on staff here at New Life Midtown, as well as I get to serve in the global um, domain of New Life Church. And I get to bring the word to you guys this morning, which I'm really excited, really excited. Um, A lot of you guys have asked me over the past few weeks, some of you guys may have known, I had the opportunity to travel to Asia. I won't say specifically where, just for safety and security of those who we partner with. Um, But I got to go visit about six partners in Asia who are in areas that are very highly persecuted. And guys, I got to spend 10 days just seeing what the Lord is doing globally And it is, guys, the global church is getting it done. They are getting it done. I was so inspired. I sat in rooms with people who are being trained up, who've been believers for maybe a couple of years, who come from indigenous groups and tribes, and they've come together to be trained and ordained and raised up to go be church planners amongst unreached people groups. And I got to see um, how our partners have pulled together schools for kids who are in low caste systems and who are in low low uh, economic systems and systems of oppression. And it's just phenomenal. A couple of those partners are people who are actually like specifically partnered with us here at New Life. And those families, I'll tell you afterwards, I won't say their name online, but they all give their love. They may even be watching us now because they were super excited that we were going to be making an announcement today and they wanted to tune in. So if you guys are watching, we love you. We're thinking about you, praying for you. But guys, God is doing incredible things on this earth and we get to be a part it's not an obligation guys it's a privilege serving the lord is a privilege serving him in our workplace is a privilege serving him in the nations of the earth serving him in our city serving him at schools it is a privilege and it is a joy of ours Well, I'm not going to take too much time. I had like this great big funny opening that I was going to do, but I'm like filling that clock ticking and I want to get to the point so we can hurry up and get over there and celebrate the building. But I also don't want to miss an opportunity today for the Lord to really speak something. Um, Before I read the scripture, let me just say, you guys, this, this message got assigned to me a couple months ago. And it has been my crucible ever since. <laughs> so I am so ready to deliver this message and just like be done with it. Like, ah, I've had to live in the middle of it. 
um, when Jade offered, Jade and Jonathan were talking to me about different options of what I could speak on, and I was like, oh, yeah, I, I said, well, I'm, I, I can feel something on this, this, and this. And they're like, okay, why don't you go with this one? I'm like, okay, great, yeah, that's awesome. And as I got into it, I was like, this is my greatest weakness in my life. I had just been assigned to speak about the greatest weakness of my life. Okay, here we go, God. So without further ado, I'm going to pray and then open us up with a scripture and get going, all right? Father, thank you. Thank you that you are so good. Your goodness continues to blow my mind over and over. You're so faithful. We thank you for that. And God, I pray that today your word would go forth, your truth would go forth. But Lord, more than even that, God, your heart would be made known in this place. God, I pray that, Lord, these words that come forth wouldn't fall upon our ears and as condemnation or that shame and guilt would have no room and no place in this in this place, Father God, but that you and your grace and your mercy and your love would just blanket us so that as we receive your word, we can receive it rightly and hear the voice of the Father who loves us so much. I pray that the voice of the stranger would be silent and that, God, you would be glorified. In Jesus' name, amen. All right. Well, go ahead and open your Bibles to Matthew 7. We're going to read verses 1 through 6. Give you a second to get there. All right, let's read. Do not judge, or you too will be judged. You already know where this is going. (laughs) Understand my challenge the past couple of months. Do not judge, or you too will be judged. For in the same way you judge others, you will be judged. And with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. Why do you look at the speck of sawdust in your brother's eye and pay no attention to the the plank in your own eye? How can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye when all the time there is a plank in your own eye? You hypocrite. First take the plank out of your eye, and then you will see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye. Do not give to dogs what is sacred. Do not throw your pearls to pigs. If you do, they may trample them under their feet and turn and tear you to pieces. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. You know, this whole sermon series on the Sermon of the Mount has been such a really profound and timely series. And I love that we started the whole thing off. And I love how Jesus started the whole thing. I mean, he was a mastermind when he did this message. He started it all off. He knew where he was going. He knew he was going to be tackling some really hard subjects. He knew that he was going to be going into territory where we can get real legalistic and down and and shameful and all these different things. But he started it all off with chapter 5, the Beatitudes. And for those of you guys who've been here, we've been spending a lot of times in the Beatitudes near the beginning of this sermon series. If you missed that, I encourage you to go back online. But what I love about Jesus and his, he, his ability to be so strategic was that before he even got to the practical of how-tos in the kingdom, how do we live this kingdom thing out, he set the tone, the spirit, and the manner in which we live them. Guys, we've never been asked to just live out a bunch of rules. If that's what your Christianity has been, that's what you've been fed, man, I'm sorry. But it's a new day, and it's a new season, and God wants to break that off of you. But he has set a manner, a posture, a heart in which we approach the Sermon on the Mount. I love that at our starting place in the Sermon on the Mount, the series begins with the Beatitudes because it sets it all. It sets the tone. It sets the heart. 
We cannot even read Matthew 6, 5, 6, 7. We can't go through all of it. We can't read it rightly, first of all, without God's grace. But secondly, without the filters of what the Beatitudes bring. The filters of blessed are the poor in spirit. The filters of blessed are those who mourn. The filters of blessed are those who are meek. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst. Blessed are the merciful. Blessed are the pure in heart. Blessed are the peacemakers and blessed are the persecuted. These are the lenses in which we continue to walk through the Sermon on the Mount with. Now, I want to be very clear up front before I get into kind of the, the, what I feel like the Lord's inviting us into. And I just want to kind of set something straight. I feel like a lot of times this particular passage has been utilized in a lot of different ways. When we hear Matthew 7, um, we hear it used as, that's right, don't judge me. <laughs> don't judge. Don't judge me. You hypocrite. Look at what's in your own. I mean, this, this thing has been used in a lot of different ways. And I don't know about for you guys, but as I was sitting in this passage, I realized, wow, this passage has been both a point of great pain and grief for me. I have been wounded by those who've utilized this passage wrongly. And I've also utilized it wrongly myself. I have both been the one who has been judged and have received pain from that. But I, too, am the one who has given pain in that exact area as well. But I really think it's really important that when we set up, we understand what the scripture is not saying. So I'm going to run through a few things just to kind of help us set a tone for where we're going. These verses are not saying that we should not recognize and name what is right and wrong. Okay? It's not saying don't recognize what's right or wrong. It's not saying... Don't recognize darkness from light. It's not saying we can't recognize evil from what is holy or sin from virtue. As God's word defines those things, all right, not as we define them, as God defines them and as we see it through the life of Jesus. So these scriptures aren't saying that we don't recognize and name those things. It's also not saying that we don't draw lines and boundaries. It's also not saying that we don't have convictions based on the faithfulness of God and what we perceive in scripture as truth. It's also not saying that we ignore the spirit of discernment. And I think that's really important this day and age. We need a spirit of discernment. I mean, if there's ever a time we need a spirit of discernment, it is now. It's really hard to know how to navigate a lot of the things that are going on, particularly in our nation, but in the nations of the earth. And we need a spirit of discernment. So this scripture is not saying we should not have a spirit of discernment. We need a spirit of discernment to be wisdom, to give us wisdom to judge, not the individual, but to judge the spirit that is influencing the individual. Remember, uh, uh, so John brought this up last week. We talked about this whenever Jay talked about loving our enemies. We do not wrestle against flesh and blood. We've got to get that in us, guys. That can't just be a scripture we know in our head that has to become a revelation in our heart. We do not wrestle against each other. We wrestle against what's going on in the, in the principalities and in the heavenly realms that are influencing the people that we come face to face with. We've got to get our enemy correct here, all right? But just as much as we need a spirit of discernment and as much as we need to be able to name right from wrong and what is truth and not truth and, and all of those things that help keep us safe and in boundaries and, and, and guarded in an age where everything kind of goes... As much as we need that, none of that is ever a license to condemn. It's never a license to label or profile. It's never a license to bring harm, whether that's emotionally, physically, 
mentally, spiritually. It's never a license to do that. To inten- it's never a license to intentionally act in a manner that would widen the chasm between an individual and the kindness of God. Because right. after all, it's his kindness that leads us to repentance. Oh. Not our criticism, not our condemnation, not our pointing out. It's his love and his kindness. All right, so there's a real tension here, right? The tension is real. How do I live in a world where, man, there is so much evil and it's all kind of mixing into this gray area? And how do I love people who stand for such wrong things? And how do I stand by my convictions? And guys, it's tough. And I am not here with answers today, all right? I'm still figuring this out myself. But I think there's a way that the Beatitudes and the, how it postures our heart and what God's saying in Matthew 7 that can help give us some guardrails to help keep our hearts in the right place. I love that Matthew 10, 16 says, and the King James Version, some of you guys are going to be loving that I use the King James Version here. So John says, amen. Behold, I send you forth as sheep in the midst of wolves. Be ye therefore wise, also discerning, as serpents, but as harmless as doves. The NIV says, shrewd as snakes and as innocent as doves. So we have to hold together both wisdom and discernment with love and kindness and God's mercy and grace together at all times. This is only possible, you guys, by the consistent and constant work of God's grace in our lives. The Beatitudes act as a conduit for God's grace to flow through us so that we can be salt and light in a way that truly allows people to taste and see that the Lord is good. Uh Amen? All right. So this leaves us with a few questions. Okay, great. How do we do this? How do we live this out? Guys, I'm a super practical person. I love sitting in messages that are inspiring all these things, but I need, like, I need my to-do list afterwards. I need my, like, okay, how do I do this? And I wish it was always as simple as just, like, all right, point one, you do this. Point two, you do this. You'll always turn out this way, guys. That's not how it works. But I think there are some pointers, and I think there are some invitations of the Lord that helps us. All right, so how do we live with godly conviction that does not tolerate or condone the spirit of the age while also loving the world sacrificially as Christ loved it. Guys, how do we love our enemies, those who intentionally and proactively are working against the things of God? How do we do that? How do we love our neighbor who's lost and who isn't trying to be terrible, but they don't know what they do and they don't know what they don't know? How do we do that? And how do we live amongst one another as brothers and sisters in Christ when we offend each other and hurt each other and sometimes speak wrong against each other and all those things that happen? How do we do this, Lord? How do we do this? I don't have an antidotal antidotal method today, but I do have a sense that the Spirit is inviting us into a deeper level of conversation and revelation as it relates to the keys that are found in the Sermon on the Mount to give us the ability to love the world around us. To not enforce the kingdom of God by a pounding and I'm forcing this on you, but to live the kingdom of God, to be the kingdom of God, because the kingdom of God, as scripture says, comes in as like leaven. It filters in and it just begins to grow and work its way. So how do we, as the body of Christ, become leaven 
that helps build the kingdom amongst these very real and challenging things in our day. All right, so as I've been sitting in this, gosh, again, for about two and a half, three months, Lord, how do you want me to approach this? There's so many different routes I could take. I felt like the Lord just simply gave me three invitations. So we have three invitations today. And these three invitations are taking Matthew 7 and Matthew 5 and overlaying them together and seeing how the Beatitudes work with what God's speaking to us so that we can be salt and light in this world. The first invitation, all right? The invitation is to embrace a poverty of spirit that empowers us to have pure hearts. Embracing a poverty of spirit that empowers us to have pure hearts. Scriptures tells us that the one who has been forgiven much loves much. Guys, do you remember what you've been forgiven of? I know a lot of us probably grew up in the church. I grew up in the church. I fell away for a season, lived my life, and then I came back. And guys, the things that the Lord has forgiven me of and continues to forgive me of, how can I not but love? How can I not but extend grace? Guys, we have to remember, not in a shameful way, not in a way that hangs over us, like, oh, you did this, you did this. It's not that. It's, it's remembering what God has saved us from, what God has forgiven us from. That produces a love within us. We have all been recipients of forgiveness that we have not earned or deserved. Sometimes in our discipleship process, we forget that just like every other human being on the planet, we have all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. There is not one of us who has not sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Sure, to us, I think we kind of measure out sins, right? Some sins are bigger than others, like, oh, you did that, or oh, you just did that, right? That's kind of how we work. You know, like, oh, I just, I just kind of told a lie. I just gossip. They murdered someone. I mean, you know, to us, there's like a big gap between what different types of sin. We, we section off our sin of what's bad and what's not and what's acceptable, right? That's how we do it. But guys, in the eyes of the Lord, sin is sin. Brokenness is brokenness. It all looks the same to him now. Some sins have greater consequences in this life than others. Before the Lord, it's all sin, and it's all redeemable. That's the good news. It's all redeemable. We are all in need of a Savior, not just back when, but today, right now, this moment. We are in need of a Savior. I'm in need of a Savior. You're in need of a Savior. And there will never be a day that we're not until we're face-to-face with him, and he has made all things completely new. We are in need. When we really get our own poverty, it allows us great tenderness and willingness to live a life of forgiveness that keeps us pure and free from the bondage of bitterness, offense, and all the trappings of sin that come with that. When we allow his forgiveness to come in us, then we can give forgiveness out. And it purifies our heart. It cleans us. When we walk in a revelation of this poverty of spirit, this constant need for God's salvation work in our lives, it leads us to a prayer that sounds something like this. Father, I have been guilty of doing the same thing that that person has done to me. I ask that this same grace 
and mercy that led to my forgiveness would empower me to turn around and give the same forgiveness to those who offended me. Guys, as we embrace our need and remember our need, our own brokenness, our own inability to live this Christian life without our Savior, that helps to open up a purity within our hearts, and it helps us to remove a plank from our eye so that we can judge rightly and with the right spirit. So that's the first invitation. Second invitation is to embrace a godly mourning or lament that then empowers us to become peacemakers and reconcilers. Amen. Embracing, embracing a sorrow, a brokenness of what this world is that drives us to a place, a brokenness that drives us into Jesus that then in turn drives us to be like, God, use me to make it right. Use me to bring peace. Use me to be a reconciler. I'm so overwhelmed by the pain that you feel of the brokenness of the world, use me. The Father desires that we would remain so close to his heart that when we come face to face with the dysfunction of the world, when it affects our lives, when it disrupts our peace, when it steals from us, when it wounds our hearts, when it treats us unfairly, when it smacks in the face of all that is good and right and beautiful, that what comes out of us is a holy grieving and a longing for all things to be made right. And guys, this does not naturally come out of us. (laughs) When you do something against me or when I see something that's off, my first inclination is usually anger. Did you know a lot of times anger is just another result of sorrow? It's just another form of grief. We can take that anger. We can take that sorrow and channel it towards the Lord and allow a holy lament and brokenness to come upon us. One that cries out, Father, make it right. Make it new. And use me to do it. Use me to do it. This is important because when we begin to experience a holy lament and a deep longing of the soul to see all things made right, we become more willing to be the ones that the Lord can use to bring restoration. It's why we embrace this. It's why we embrace it. Instead of expressing our grief through a spirit of anger on social media, I've done it, and other ways, pointing that finger, getting angry, instead of doing that, Jesus, I cry out to you. I bring this brokenness. I bring this pain of the world. I bring everything that is not good to you. The only one, guys, who can really do anything about it. That's right. The only one who can do anything about it. The only one who can change mankind's heart. It's only when we bring our brokenness to the world and ourselves, and, and ourselves to the Father, that those planks of retaliation, uh-huh. the planks of revenge, there are planks of how dare you, the planks of you're what's wrong in this world, the planks of you're the issue in our nation, the planks of you, 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 those began to be removed from our eyes. And we can see those in front of us the way the Father sees them. Where godly peace and reconciliation is, there his kingdom is also. Amen?
God, make us people who run into your arms. Make us people who don't just try to take up our own charge and change the world by our vicious rhetoric. <laughs> Let us be people who mourn the state of where things are at, but long to become the answer to those prayers. Invitation number three, to embrace a spirit of meekness, humility, and repentance that empowers us to act justly, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with our God. Just like Hannah prayed today, that we can act justly, and love mercy and walk humbly with our gods. We have to embrace meekness. We have to embrace humility. And guys, that's hard. Let's just be honest. That's hard. That's hard. That's harder for some of us than others. It's super hard for me. Okay? I could be a know-it-all. I could be that, that person who can point things out. But God... May a spirit of meekness and humility rest on me. God, give me the grace to walk out that way. Give me a grace to live that way so that I can love mercy. I cannot be a merciful person if I have not first received mercy, which we all have, but have a revelation of the mercy I've received. But if I'm not a person of humility, I'll never be able to do this. When we allow a deep work of God by embracing our poverty, allowing God to purify our hearts, lamenting the brokenness in our world, and receiving the heart of a peacemaker, we will begin to become people of meekness and humility, which allows us to truly walk justly as God defines justice, not as we define justice as God in his faithful scripture and through the life of Christ displays justice. We cannot will ourselves into this, you guys. This is not something that all this stuff, all these invitations, the invitation to embrace our poverty and to have a pure heart, the invitation to to embrace lamenting, the invitation to, to become peacemakers and reconcilers and people of humility who love mercy, We cannot do it separate from the grace of God. The grace of God that leads us to repentance. The grace of God that forgives us, that cleanses us, that removes the planks from our eyes. Guys, when we do this, then God can trust us. Uh He can trust us with relationships. He can trust us with situations and circumstances where maybe we do need to help remove a speck from our brother's eye. But when we allow the Lord to take the planks out of ours, then we can see rightly to remove it with care. Uh I think a lot, guys, and I'm going to go on a tangent here a second, but I think a lot of what we're experiencing, that the the pull against Christians in church is because we've tried to pull out specks without being able to see clearly ourselves, and we've done damage. We've done damage because we couldn't see clearly. We couldn't see that person as Christ sees them. That's right. We couldn't see them as the gift. We couldn't see them as the person that he came to reconcile back to him just as much as he came for us. And you know what? No condemnation. Okay? I've messed up. I've done it. We all have. But there is no condemnation. This morning, God has his arms open. And he's saying, hey, let's try again. Yeah. 
I love it. Yesterday, my son uh, was in a wrestling tournament, got first place. <laughs> proud mom. I should have worn my little proud mama badge today. I have this little like button that has him. I thought about wearing it, but he'd probably been pretty embarrassed, so I didn't do that. But it was really cool yesterday because we sat in the bleachers and watched after he um, you know, did his duel and finished. The coach would be right there, and he would pull him, and he would kind of talk to him about, okay, when you're in this situation, do it like this, and he'd even, like, put him in different positions. Like, right after the match, his coach is right there showing him how to do it better. Guys, that's how Jesus is with us, all right? Whether you win the duel or you lose the duel, he is right there to coach you, and he is coaching us as a loving father that says, hey, come here. There's a better way. Hey, come here. Let's try it this way next time. Hey, come here. Let's learn from this. That's the father who's speaking to us this morning. That's the father that's saying, hey, church, my bride, my people, come here. Let me show you a different way. Let me show you a different approach. Let me show you this might be more effective in these situations. And he's so good and he's so faithful to bring us in and to teach us. He doesn't just leave us to ourselves and to our own just inability, immaturities, all those things. He is growing us. Church, he's growing us. And I think it's very timely that, that I get to speak about this right before we're getting ready to go into a new season, where we're getting ready to be married to a new people, that we're coming into new relationships, where this church is growing and God's moving, because if anything puts a stop to what the Holy Spirit wants to do, it's offense, it's judgment, it's criticism, it's all those things. And today the Lord is inviting us into a new way, a different way of approaching people and approaching hearts. Uh I want to read the scripture in uh, 2 Samuel chapter 12. And before I read, I'll give a little backdrop. I think a lot of you guys are very familiar with the story of David. But for those of you guys who may be a little bit newer to the faith who aren't maybe sure about this story, David was a king um, who was actually the second king of Israel who God anointed. He was a man after God's heart, loved the Lord, worshiper. Um, you might, you've probably heard about stories about him killing Goliath and, and all this, a great, great man of God. But he grew bored, and he grew entitled, and he got to a place where he kind of felt like, well, I can kind of do what I want to do. And, and so he saw this woman and decided, hey, she's pretty hot. I'd like to spend some time with her. Um, She was married, and he took her in anyway, slept with her, got her pregnant. When he found out that she was pregnant, he went and had her husband killed. So here he is. He's taking a woman. (laughs) He's committing adultery. He's getting her pregnant. He's killing her husband. Like, these are pretty big things, right? We would probably, like, not be real close to someone like David in this day and age. (laughs) It's probably someone that we distance ourselves from, all right? But yet God, later in Scripture, calls him the man after his heart. And this is why. After this happened, and David committed these atrocious, atrocious sins, the Lord sent a prophet to him, prophet Nathan. And starting in chapter 12, verse 1, Nathan comes to David and says what the Lord has spoken to him. And it says, The Lord sent Nathan to David, When he came to him, he said, There were two men in a certain town, one rich and the other poor. The rich man had a very large number of sheep and cattle. 
But the poor man had nothing except one little ooh lamb, and he had bought it, that he had bought. He raised it, he grew it up with him and his children. It shared his food, it drank from his cup, it even slept in his arms. It was like a daughter to him. Now a traveler came to the rich man, but the rich man refrained from taking one of his own sheep or cattle to prepare a meal for the traveler who had come to him. Instead, he took the little lamb that belonged to the poor man and prepared it for the one who had come to him. David burned with anger against this man and said, Nathan, as surely as the Lord lives, this man who did this must die. He must pay for the lamb four times over because he did such a thing and had no pity. Who does that often sound like? How dare that person? Oh, my gosh. Can you believe? And then Nathan said to David, you are that man. Guys, I'm that woman. You're that woman. You're that man. At some point in our life, we have all been that. And that's not, again, something that should invite shame. Guys, that's something that should invite a poverty of spirit. That's something that should invite the longing for a purity of heart. That's something that should welcome a holy lament and grief. That's something that should make us long to become peacemakers and reconcilers. That's something that should push us towards meekness and humility and to love mercy. These revelations should push us into the arms of God. And it's when that happens that he can take something, heal it, make it beautiful again, and release it back into the world to make a difference. That's us today. So the word of the Lord today is not a word of disappointment, of shame, or condemnation. Please don't hear that today. I pray you don't hear that today. If any of you are wrestling with these feelings, I just pray right now that the spirit of love and grace and life just pour over you. The word says that my yoke is easy and my burden is light. He doesn't expect us to carry these things in our flesh. But the call is today to remember we cannot read or live Matthew 7 rightly without the grace and the mercy of God, and neither can our offenders. The same things that apply for us, we can't live rightly without the grace and mercy of God, neither can others. We are all living by his grace. Let us go first. Guys, election year's next year. Let us go first. When we see that thing on the news about the party we don't like or the decisions that are being made or the people group who hurt us or the people group who don't get us or those people who are confused or these people who are this, let us go first. Let us be the ones who step out first and usher in a kingdom that can come in, the only kingdom that can really make a difference, that can make the broken things right again. Amen? Amen. 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 I'm going to go ahead and have our communion attendants come up. And before we...
before we come forth for communion, I just think it's appropriate to let the Lord search our hearts. Guys, one of my scriptures that I cling to in Psalms is, Lord, search me and know me. God, see if there be any wicked way. Not in this shameful, like, condemnate, you know, just God, I want to be right. I want to live rightly. I want to be close to you. I want to be a light. And I don't know how to do it in myself. So, guys, let's close our eyes. And let's take a moment. And let's let the Lord search our hearts. Holy Spirit, we welcome you in this place. And Father, I pray that even though this word may have been a real weighty word, that God, you have the ability to take it and to make it something that is light, but also convicting. That God, you're able to take this word and the seeds of this word, and only you can cause it to bear fruit within us. Father, today we recognize that, God, without you, we truly can do nothing. It all begins and ends and is centered around you. Thank you. I thank you that you don't allow us to just stay the same. Thank you that you don't allow us just to be status quo believers. God, thank you that you you change us. You coach us. You show us a better way. You bring revelation, Father. And God, today, would you help us, would you grace us to receive a spirit of poverty, God, that we would remember, God, you have forgiven us and saved us from so much, probably more than we even know. And God, we ask that you would come and purify our hearts where we are at odds with our brother and sister, where we're at odds with our enemy, when we're at odds with our neighbor. God, where we've allowed others' offenses to become ours, where we have taken up a cause that you've never asked us to take up in a way that you've never asked us to take it up, then, God, we repent. Purify us, God. Clean us, Lord. God, break our hearts. God, break our hearts for the brokenness of this world. And, God, not just the brokenness that affects us, God, the brokenness that hurts your heart, the brokenness that you came to change. God, will you make us peacemakers? Would you make us reconcilers, God? And would you build a spirit of meekness and humility and mercy within us so that, God, when we come face to face with the brokenness of this world, when we want to walk in judgment and criticism, when we want to point the finger that God, your loving kindness comes and says, hey, let's, let's look inward first. Let's clarify our vision and then let's be healers in this world. So God, we receive that today. We receive that word and that calling and that invitation today, God, in Jesus' name. On the heels of that, let's go ahead and receive communion and remember the brokenness of God for us. If you would stand, you can exit out to your left.
and then come around and grab your elements.